Sir Winston Churchill said that success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. My name is Charles Simpson Sr. and this is the Journey to Destiny podcast where my goal is to encourage you to know that it's not about having it all together, but it's about stepping into your purpose with faith in God leading you along the way. From balancing your 9 to 5 job, family time, and more, stepping into your purpose won't be easy, but I hope that following my journey will encourage you to step into yours. Let's get into it. What's up? What's up? Happy Friday. Today is August 30th. We are going into Labor Day weekend, a three-day weekend for some of us. Um, You know, so it should be pretty good. And, you know, we're right into September. I mean, it's the last quarter of the year. And I think uh, think it'd be time for to do a uh, vision board update. So we'll have to make sure that happens over the next two weeks. But um, we're in the last quarter, folks. Three more months until this year is done. I'm hoping you're being um, applicable and um, intentional about your goals. Like, what are you setting out to do? What are you setting out to complete? You know, um, if you have the vision, but a vision not written down is just a dream. So, are you writing your goals down and you're, you know, speaking to your loved ones to hold you accountable and be transparent and, you know, these things. So anyway, um, three more months, you know, you can make it happen. Set some things out, get them done before the year is done. So um, so anyway, we're going to get started today and uh, it is Theology Friday. So we're not going to do a big biblical deep dive today. Um, you know, I'm going to just basically bring up a biblical message of, of just some things um, that's been on my heart and, you know, finish it up with a, another message regarding some things that's going on in our world and nation today. So, Stephen Furtick, um, many know him. Many know him, many love him, and many um, follow him because of the messages that feel good. But the thing is this, where's the gospel? You know, the gospel, God's word is love. God's word is correction. We are all fallen in sin. You know, the Bible says that we are dead in sin, actually. Our hearts are wicked, you know, um, because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We now are tempted and we sin. Um, You know, we know right from wrong, but yet we're still disobedient. And, you know, because we break these laws, we are worthy of God. God is righteous. God is love. God is complete goodness. There is no evil bad or flaw in God he is nothing but righteous so for him to be righteous he has to judge that which is not and that's each and every one of us deserving death but it is by God's love that he sent his only son in Jesus Christ to pay uh, a price that we um, could never never pay ourselves but unfortunately there are so many pastors that get into the pulpit week in and week out uh, and get in into the sharing their message. I don't want to be all churchy with too much churchy lingo. And they share the, the, the message and it's so out of context. So when you're reading the Bible, you're reading it with an understanding of context, 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 who is speaking, who is he speaking to? And at what time frame or level of culture was this message being given? 
That's how we read the Bible. That's how you read it in proper context. Because the problem is if you just read it out of context, you will push yourself into the message each and every time because that is what um, that's what what feeds you. We're all selfish. We're all self-righteousness because we like to think we're good on our own and we're not. There's no good in any of us. If we've broken one law, we are guilty. There's no good. Good means without blemish, without fault. Only one that is good is God. Um, but the fact is, is, there's so many pastors that want to interject a message where their message is to say, well, look, you know, God did this for you. And the thing that God did for each and every one of us is pour out his blood on the cross. And Jesus Christ is God. Let's be let's be very clear on that God the Father God the Son Jesus Christ God the Holy Spirit three unique parts one God but he came clothed in humanity to die for us we didn't deserve that we deserve his wrath because we're disobedient but he loved us enough to come and, and die so that way we can have a way out where the flesh may die the spirit can live on with the Father God in heaven that's love but the fact is, there's so many pastors that want to interject how this a, a particular message in the Bible is to motivate us, is to make us feel good about ourselves, is to encourage us. We are encouraged through knowing that Jesus Christ paid the price. Full repentance, meaning turn a different way. Instead of being disobedient, turn the opposite direction. To walk towards him And in that He loves us To strengthen us In that walk Through the Holy Spirit That is what encourages us Not any biblical message To say hey You know Do this and this and that And God did this for you So anyway I'm going to play a video I'll play an audio message From Stephen Furtick And it's entitled Goliath and the Sword What did Goliath have that David needed that David didn't know that he would need? It's right in verse 50. It's right in verse 50. It said he came to the battle without a sword in his hand. Spoiler alert, he left with one. Who was carrying it? His enemy. I declare, come on y'all, I'm trying to be good. But I declare, I know how this story ends. Goliath has got your sword. Goliath has got your grace. And if you want to see the victory, you're going to have to defeat what's standing in front of you. But you don't have to do it on your own. Come on, let's stir something up. All over the whole church, University City, Blakeney, I want every single warrior, every single worshiper to declare, I know how this story ends. So there's so much wrong with this message. I mean, you, you always hear the story and a lot of pastors, they do this. They always want to use David and Goliath. Why? Because David is the little dog. Goliath can be whatever you want to put on it. Goliath is racism. Goliath is capitalism. Goliath is your employers. Goliath are those haters. Goliath uh, is, is, the, is the, the fat when you're trying to lose weight. Goliath is is everything that you you is the enemy but the problem is that we are not david 
Matt Chandler said this. He said it so powerfully, actually, ironically, during the Code Orange revival that was hosted by Elevation Church. He invited Matt Chandler and Matt Chandler brought the gospel. And you see that Matt Chandler would probably never be invited back to Elevation Church and that that sermon has been removed from Elevation's website. Why? Because it was the gospel. And see, you don't hear the gospel at Elevation. You just don't. You hear Stephen Furtick get up and interject himself and those that he's preaching to into the into the into the uh, scriptures. It's called exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis, E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. Eisegesis, E-I-S-E-G-E-S-I-S. I think I spelled that right. But exegesis is reading the scriptures and pulling from the scripture. So basically context, as I mentioned, context, context, context. Eisegesis is implanting your views, your thoughts, and your understanding into the scriptures. That's wrong. Because, see, the scriptures aren't about us. The scriptures are to regenerate us. We are dead in sin. We are non-living in the spirit. The Bible is what breathes new life into us. We don't breathe life and make the Bible relevant. The Bible makes us regenerate, meaning the Holy Spirit changes us. Who we are puts us on a new path. It's not religion, it's relationship in Jesus Christ. The problem is so many pastors like Stephen Furtick, they use eisegesis. They put their views, their understandings into scripture. That's wrong. That has nothing to do with context. That has nothing to do with the scriptures we're meant to. So here's Stephen Furtick. He's saying, you know, first of all, David went to battle. He didn't have his sword. But if you go back, when he's talking to Saul, he spoke authority and boldness to Saul to say, look, my God has brought me through the wilderness. Mike, and think, here, think about what David's doing. David is giving glory where glory is due to God alone. So he's telling Saul, look, my God has given me, my God has brought me through some major things. As a, as a shepherd over my flock, I've been able to take down bears and lions with my sling. And I know my God will take this Philistine, this, this uncircumcised Philistine, and do exactly the same thing. He gave God the glory of what he's done. And he said, I'm going into my battle with faith and knowing he'll do it again. See, that's the message. Faith in God, not in yourself. But see, Stephen Furtick says, well, your sword, you, you forgot your sword. You just need a sword. What is a sword going to do with me? This is spiritual warfare we're talking about. David went into battle with a physical being, yes, but he had a spiritual, a spiritual relationship with God the Father that carried him into that battle. Our, and it's so funny because, and I was even thinking about it, you know, there's a thing, there's a there's an understanding called types and shadows. Okay, when you're reading the Bible, especially the Old Testament, a lot of people say, well, the Old Testament's for that time, but Jesus Christ, He's the New Testament. We've got to focus on Jesus. John 1 1 says in the beginning was the word capital W the word was with God the word was God okay capital W think about where we see capital words it's in deference of who God Lord Jesus son of man 
All of these things are capital because they're talking about God and his three distinct persons, whether it's Jesus, the Father, or uh, the Holy Spirit. It's always capital because it's referring to God. So when you say types and shadows, so John, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, capital W, the word was with God, the word was God. John 1 and 14 says the word, capital W, was made flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus Christ is the word of God, meaning he is God. The Old Testament was literally, 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 littered with Jesus Christ all through it. See, David is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. He's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and really, you know, you can say the sword that he welded later on once he took um once he took um um the uh, goliath sword later on you can say that's the sword that we wield which is our bibles you know i don't want to get too deep because i'm gonna go off topic but and probably confuse myself <laughs> but the fact is is david is a type and shadow of jesus christ we are not david we are not david as Matt Chandler has said, and I'll reiterate it, we are not David. For a pastor to sit there in the pulpit, supposed to bring the gospel, preach the word, 2 Timothy 4 and 2, preach the word in season and out of season. Preach the word of God. I don't know what message Stephen Furtick was saying with this whole, oh, you just forgot your sword. You need your sword. The enemy has a sword, but you can do What are you talking about? The whole message was missed, and it's 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 it, it it's more it's more sad and in I don't want to say depressing, but sad and it's sad more sad than anything because people are sitting in here just clapping and yeah yeah. Do you not study your Bible? Wake up! This feel good message has to end. The gospel is what saves lives. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is that what leads into salvation. First into the Jew, then the Greek. The gospel and good news of Jesus Christ is what leads others into salvation. It is not our good works. Our good works is our filthy rags. They're like minstrel rags is what the Bible says. There is no good in any of us. It is only the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ that leads others unto salvation. Hearing how wretched of sinners we truly are and hearing how good God is to send his son to pay a price that we deserve to pay. I'm sorry, pay a price that we deserve to face. The wrath, God's wrath is what we deserve. But Jesus Christ was loved to come and pay that price on us. He is not just a good man. He is a good God that came and shed out his, his blood on Calvary and said it is finished. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Through Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. But you can have people like Stephen Furtick sit there and say, oh no, you just need your sword. Your sword is your enemy. Stop it. Stop it. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And I'm guilty because I haven't been one to speak up the way I need to speak up about these things. And God, I thank you for not. I thank you for your mercy where I'm supposed to be speaking these things. You changed me March of 2018. No longer my own. 
but I am a servant of you. And a servant of you is one that shares the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ. Even though the world won't love it, you'll share it anyway in love because it is that what leads to salvation. You don't need a sword. You need to hear the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ and study your Bibles in proper context, not sitting under false teachers that are going to lead you astray. Goliath brought a sword, but David brought his faith in God. That is the message. When we say, I, I can do all things who guide Christ who strengthens me, it has nothing to do with your job. It has nothing to do with uh, losing some weight. It has nothing to do with starting that business. It has everything to do, I can, I can resist the temptations of the enemy because God is with me and strengthening me through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what it means. Context, context, context. And he sits there and says, you don't have to do it alone. So Stephen Furtick, tell me, who are we doing it with? Is it just my sword? My symbolic sword? Or is it through the power of the Holy Spirit leading us back to a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Who are we doing it with? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, Jesus Christ. John 6 and 44 Jesus says, no man comes to me unless the Father draws them. It is the gospel that pricks the heart. The Holy Spirit comes in and changes us into a new creation. It is the gospel. It is not just being a good person because once again, there is no such thing. There's no good in us. If I've broken one, I'm guilty of them all. You don't sit there and go to the murderer that just commit, kill 10 people. And they, you know, maybe they were on the board of directors of, of uh, Habitats of Humanity. They've given people so many homes. Do we sit there and say, oh, well, you've killed 10 people, but you started Habitat Humanity. You're a good person. Let me let you go. No, that's not justice. Justice is saying you've killed 10 people. And yes, you may have tried to do some good. You're still guilty of your crimes. That is each and every one of us. We are guilty of breaking God's commandments. Murder, lying, covetousness, covetousness, lusting, adultery, all of these things that God said you have broken, we're guilty. But in his love, he sent his son to say, look, a right relationship with me, your slate will be cleaned. But you have to repent. You have to turn from the things of this world. You have to turn from your disobedience and you have to follow after me. And see, the problem is so many people are religious, but they have no, no, no power because the Holy Spirit has not changed who they are. They are putting on a mask and sitting here saying, because I go to church, I direct the choir, I serve on this small group, I do this, I do that. Look at me. I have made myself righteous in the name of God. Lies. The Bible says, Lord, 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 have I not professed all these things in your name? Depart from me. I don't know who you are. See, there's no relationship with Jesus Christ. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus even says, if you want to follow me, you're going to take up your cross. You're going to have to die. You're going to have to die. All your desires, die. All those things that you have created as idols, die. Are you willing to give that up? 
see the problem is that we look at this and say okay well I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop doing this I'm gonna stop celebrating Christmas I'm gonna stop doing this I'm gonna stop drinking I'm gonna stop so then once again now you've went on the other side of the spectrum you're repenting for things but you're doing them by your own power so once again he'll say Lord Lord I don't know who you are everything you've done you're doing by your own might the fact is is you have to fully repent and put your faith and trust in him know that your sin creates brokenness brokenness is nothing that you can mask by your own actions it is only full repentance of your heart to give your life away to say God I'm tired of doing it my way please come into my heart and do it your way and it's not just words it's actions are you willing to deny yourself are you willing to study his complete nature? Because he will change you in his time alone. But you first have to turn from these things and follow after him. You cannot have one foot in this world and one foot in the word. No. If you live by this world, you'll die in this world. But if you, the, 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 the guilt that he puts on our hearts the good versus he, the Bible says that no temptation is uncommon for man. He'll always give us a way out of sin. So yeah, that that temptation, if we're turning to him, he'll honor that. If we're not saying, oh, I sin. Oh, God, forgive me. I won't do it again. Sin. Oh, God, forgive me. I won't do it again. Instead of saying, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. Do it your way. Change me from the inside out so I can have a new life. The Bible says to be born again. Unless you are born by the water and the spirit, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. What is being born by the water? Well, one can say it's being baptized. One can say it's also being born out of the womb. There is a sack of embryonic fluids that come out of the mother when a child is born. So you can say it both ways. I'm born physically into sin. Then I'm born spiritually into new life in Jesus Christ, which comes with a right relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a tangible change internally, not by me just saying, I don't want to live this way. Well, let me work out my, let me just do it my own way. No, it is when the Holy Spirit changes who you are, you are no longer who you are. You've been given a new heart of flesh and that heart of stone is gone. You've been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to leave on this, 2 Timothy 3 and 5. In times, beware of those that have a look of religiousness, but deny the power that can make them godly. There is no amount of works that we can do on our own that justify us in, in God. It is only a right relationship with Jesus Christ, where we stand as his bride, justified in the eyes of the Father. Still sinners, still stumbling in sin. Excuse me. We, we, are, we are not, and let me be clear, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Let me say that again. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're all born sinners. So even when you're born again, you're still a sinner. You're a sinner being sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus Christ is our advocate to the Father. Meaning, when we stumble in sin, we don't plan sin. When you're born again, there's no plans for sin. You don't plan to go get drunk. You don't plan to go to the club and to a strip club. You don't plan to do all these things. No, because in Christ, that is not where your heart is anymore. You're changed. That's a heart thing. You, your mouth can say whatever, but your heart is what says it all. So the fact is, is you don't plan it. We stumble, yes. But see, the, here's the thing is also in Christ, we now understand he's the good shepherd. 
We understand what it means that we were living as goats, living under the father of lies, who is Satan. But now in Christ, he is our good shepherd. We are sheep that love his correction. We are following him home to the father. So I love correction. You could tell a person that is not that's that's probably strongly, strongly, strongly possibility they are not born again because they do not heed correction. You'll tell them something and mind you, correction is biblical. Okay, we correct those in the word of God, depending on what it is. I mean, if you have work and somebody's not doing good, you don't go in and use scripture to justify why they should be working. No, leave the Caesar with a Caesar. Let the dead bury the dead. If it's at work and somebody's saying, well, I want your spreadsheet in this way. You tell them I want the spreadsheet in this way. You don't say you don't use a biblical scripture to justify them not doing spreadsheets correctly. You know, just be realistic here. We justify those by morality. The thing that science pretends doesn't exist, that every man knows exists we know right from wrong and that's not because of the justice system is because the justice system is a creation of our heart's conviction by god right versus wrong why don't we just have why do we have civilization because civility comes from punishing the, those that the, punishing those that commit crimes and rewarding those that do good that's what a civilization is civilization isn't man created it's in each and every one of us god given you're born with knowing right from wrong yet we're still disobedient that's what it is. The same thing that was a curse in to Adam and Eve. God said, and I love it because actually one of the brothers in the small group, our marriage small group on um, Tuesday gave me a new understanding of this because it was Genesis two or three, the fall when no, no, the two. When God is telling Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree, because if you do, you'll know right from wrong and you'll die. And see, for me, I always knew right from wrong was I, I, I'll tell people all the time. It's like right from wrong. That was actually God's love. Even before knowing we would fall. He told Adam and Eve knowing that they were going to do it, of course. But that right from wrong is actually what would be used to bring us back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about that guilt that you have when you sin. You knew that you shouldn't have did it. You did it anyway. And now that remorse, that guilt where Satan wants you to stay. But in that remorse and guilt, we hit rock bottom. All we can do is cry out to God to change me. The same thing that was our curse was actually what God uses in love to bring us back to Jesus Christ. That's amazing. But see, here's the other part. He says, you'll know right from wrong and you'll die. For me, it was like, well, yeah, the physical, because we were our bodies, these bodies were have, they're supposed to last forever. You see the slow, the, the gradual decline where the curse start to set in where um, Adam uh, and uh, I believe Noah was it Adam. They had a, it's a genealogy. You want to look it up one day, go to um, Google or whatever and look up the gene- genealogy of Adam up to Abraham. I think it's either Adam or Noah lived to be like 800, 900 years old. So we weren't made to die, but of course we slowly lifespan gets slower and slower because it's a part of the curse. And of course all the, the chemicals they killing us with but on top of that that was what it was but see another brother in christ was like oh no and it was right on the surface he was like no we'll also die you'll be dead in sin and i said oh and that's the beauty of when you read and study god's word the holy spirit gives you new understanding it's not a revelation okay i don't want to say i'm sorry it's not a yeah it's not a revelation it's a new understanding of what's right in front of us because i always thought yeah you'll you'll know right from wrong and die Meaning that the body that we are in, we're we weren't we were supposed to make these bodies supposed to live forever with God, walking in the in in the garden and 
whatever else would have happened from after Adam and Eve if you know they would have had children that weren't full of sin but regardless now we die you know our lifespan less than 100 for some people 40 to 50 and then for some you can you know get killing them in the womb they're not killing before they even before they even step out of the womb they're alive in the womb but they're murdering them before they could even come out of the womb to take step step foot on the earth but they're alive but they're being murdered another topic for another day you know nobody calls their <laughs> you don't you don't say i'm having a fetus shower they say a baby shower but anyway don't get me started um but yeah but he said he was like no you know even better we'll know right from wrong but then in death that means we 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 die to sin we died spiritually and i was like wow that's like so right in your face so you know i don't want to say common sense because there's no common sense you know holy spirit is what gives us understanding john 16 13 the holy spirit is what gives us understanding and in that moment i was like thank you god that <laughs> wow like right there in front of me but I, I love it because God will use your brothers and sisters in Christ to give you a new understanding. But that happens when we're all studying God's word. He'll give us each and every one of us something different, but it all points to the truth that is Jesus Christ. So anyway, this is going long. Um, I'm wrap it up. But overall, Stephen Furtick is wrong, you know, and I'm not saying 100 percent of what he says is wrong. But I love it. There was a quote that I heard another, <laughs> another brother in Christ said one time. Uh, a broken clock is right two times a day. A broken clock is right two times a day. So a lot of the false teachers, they're just broken clocks. They may get a couple of small things right, but they get a lot of core fun foundational things wrong. And in this case, we are not David. We are not David. Matt Chandler said it. I'm hoping everybody just keeps reiterating it. We are not David. Stop pushing yourself into the scripture. If you want to push yourself into the scripture, here's a perfect person. Here's a perfect group of people that we can put ourselves into the scripture. Pharisees. If anybody in the scriptures that we are, we are the Pharisees. And we are those in for the New Testament, we're the Pharisees. For the Old Testament, we are those that bow to idols in pagan worship because that is who we are disobedient self-righteous people that's who we are each and every one of us me you your mama your daddy your grandma that that called herself so uh, saved and sanctified same one we are idolatrous and self-righteous men and women that is the gospel jesus christ is the only way to salvation he is the only way to changing us up from the inside out, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, to us. Changing us from the inside out. Stop focusing on the external. Stop focusing on religion. I'm just gonna go to church. I'm gonna I'm gonna make up I'm gonna post I'm gonna post some scriptures every morning and stop it. You focus it on the external and you're actually quite idolatrous because then you're saying, Look at me, look at me. But you need to focus on the inside. And I'm not saying this issue, let me backtrack. If you share scripture, please be clear. I'm not saying that you're wrong. But if you're sharing scripture in your heart, you can lie to anybody you want in this world. God knows it and you know it. If you're pointing scripture so people can look at you in a certain way, you're the wrong one. If you're pointing scripture to point to Christ, or if you're sharing scripture just because you, you it's a scripture that resonates with your heart, that that's no problem. It's not the action, it's the heart. So... Anyway, 
This is 24 minutes. It's crazy. Um, hopefully you got something from it. I'm just really speaking from the heart. I have absolutely not one lick of notes in front of me. I just had that video to go off of. And um, that's it. So repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There is no good in any any of us. Any good that we produce or, or any good that we do produce, it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that, that comes with the right relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have no right relationship with Jesus Christ, meaning a tangible change that takes place in the heart where you know you've been changed and God is who you point to. We are now walking in spirit and truth, meaning we're walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. We point to the truth that is Jesus Christ. That is a sign of a Christian. That is a sign of a regenerate, a person that has been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We point to Jesus Christ in all that we do. And test yourself. I don't care if you've been going to I don't care if you've been going to church for three years or thirty years. Examine yourself. The Bible says, examine yourself to truly see if you're in the faith. Because when we are truly in Christ, we're going to produce things that we have no way of producing on our own. And we know for a fact, God, that is nothing but you. To God be the glory. You are worthy of all the honor and praise, not me. I am the wretched scum that deserves your judgment. But it's by your love that you've lifted me out of that giving me a new heart and put me on a journey and a path that gives you the glory in all that I do. That is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I challenge you, please, just because your, your mother, your father are born again or you go to church and all these things has nothing to do with you. You have to stand in judgment to a righteous God that has to judge those that are disobedient. Repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not the sinner's prayer. It's not saying, God, I invite you into my heart. No, it is submitted repentance fully being dead meaning stop trying to work it out in your way and saying god i want to do it your way and that means going to your bible studying his complete nature and he will change you from the inside out give you a new heart and your holy spirit will be sent to be your helper but it first starts with you realizing that there is no good in any of us so I hope this message resonates with someone. Repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There is no way to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. And that comes through a baptism of the Spirit. Him pouring out His Spirit into you, changing every fiber of who you are from the inside out. That is adoption into the family. That is when you know, I leave this world, God, I know exactly where I'll be when, when my eyes open back up. If you fear death or you fear i'm not saying what leads up to death like i if a dog was getting ready to come kill me and it and i knew that dog was gonna maul me to death i fear that dog i feel the pain from that but in death i don't fear death because i know at that when i take my last breath in this body the next one i take i'll be with my father i rejoice in that but absolutely if somebody puts a gun to your head you don't sit there and say oh man pull the trigger because you know da 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 you know no i'm not saying that don't be foolish we're still human. But the fact is, if you, when you, if you fear what comes after death, that is where you need, to, you need to fall on your knees and say, God, I don't know what this looks like, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be out there without you. You know, even if you're an atheist that just, just doesn't believe in God, but yet you, you, you know morality is hitting you. You know there is something inside of you that knows God is fully alive. You can be disobedient. You can sit there and pretend he doesn't exist, but you're conscious your conviction of your heart you cannot lie to that you cannot 
pretend that doesn't exist. Why? Because God has created each and every one of us in his image, meaning with his spirit, meaning that conviction of the heart is him, his warning. That's all it is. God doesn't send anyone to hell. He just grants the wishes of those that choose to go there. So I hope this message is received. Please share it with someone. Um, take a quick, um, um, you know, segue into one little message um, after this. But, you know, please, please take this message serious. You know, you can die today. I mean, nobody's promised tomorrow. You can step off the curb, especially in this generation where everybody's either texting and driving or texting and walking. Somebody could be texting and driving. You can step off that curb and they take you out right then and there. But you will have to stand in judgment for what you have done or didn't do here on this earth. And disobedience has to be punished because God is just. He has to enact justice. That is love. That is his love. He has to do it. But the fact is, is he has sent his son to die for each and every one of us. And if you truly, truly are being convicted in the heart, all you have to do is let go. Give death to self and say, God, please come in and change me. I don't know what this looks like, but you are speaking a language louder in my heart that I can never imagine. Never, never um, deny. Please change me from the inside out. And and I want to just do it your way. Whatever that way may, may be, I want to do it your way. Repentance. So... Hope you got some of this message. If you did, please share it with someone. Um, and that's it. I just pray you receive this message because life is not promised. Life is life is fleeting. Life is short. Um, and God has to enact the justice that um, in righteousness that he has to that he will do. So that's it. Um, and I'm gonna close it out with a quick message. All right, so I'm gonna finish out here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play a um, a clip from 1965. Okay, 1965 by Paul Harvey. He was a broadcast commentator back in that time, and he had an essay that he wrote. And the essay is called "If I Were the Devil." I want you to listen to this, and many are calling this a prophetic essay, a prophetic essay. Because uh, this was this was recorded in 1965. There's a lot of people out there on the internet that are trying to debunk it. They're saying, "Oh no!" Blah, blah, blah. Stop. 1965 is when this was recorded. And here's the thing: even if you didn't believe it was recorded in 1965, you know it wasn't recorded yesterday. It definitely wasn't. You can tell by the sound quality alone. But on top of that, it's documented in newspapers. That this was recorded in 1965 But anyway People are going to mock and, and say whatever they want But people are saying it's a prophetic essay Because I want you to listen closely to what he's talking about And compare, compare it To where we're at here As the time we're recording this It's, it's August 30th, 2019 Okay 1965 54 years I think my math is right 54 years That this was recorded 54 years ago but I want you to listen to this essay, and uh, I'm going to close it out with this. Paul Harvey, and it's called, If I Were the Devil. If I were the devil. If I were the devil. If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, 
and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies, and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious and what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Thank you for listening to the Journey to Destiny podcast. I hope that the content is applicable and encourages you to step into your purpose. I would love to hear from you, so please connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at csimpsonjtd. Visit my website at csimpsonjtd.com or email me at charles at csimpsonjtd.com. I have a heart to educate, so please feel free to reach out with any questions that you may have about this journey or leveraging technology when it comes to your purpose. Until the next episode, talk to you soon. Thank you.